Listen, I want to tell you about some prayer uh, meeting developments in our fellowship. If you're on our email list, you got an email about this from me. But first of all, I want to tell you that you don't need to have to have a prayer meeting time to get together and pray, right? You don't need that. Just pray. Just pray. Get together and pray. But we also have some times that we set up during the week which give you the opportunity to come in with others and pray. Two new ones that are already in progress, they just started, are 15 minutes before each service, 15 to 9 and 15 to 11. In the prayer room right here, there's an opportunity for you just to come on in and pray with some other people and pray for our services, okay? And maybe you're a person who likes to pray out loud. Maybe you're not. doesn't matter. Nobody's going to call on you and say it's your turn to pray. You just come on in and just pray and agree with what's being prayed for, okay? That's pretty exciting. And uh, also, I hold a prayer meeting on Thursday mornings here, right in this room, Thursday mornings at 6.15 in the a.m., and uh, it's 30 minutes long so that you have time to come and join us in worship and prayer and make it to work because we need you to go to work because of the offerings, okay? So we're, we're praying, but you can come and pray. Um, and also, there's been a group of faithful believers who over this summer have been continuing our Tuesday night prayer meeting. And my schedule has changed now so that I can return to that and just bring some brotherly leadership to it. And so I'm going to be coming on Tuesday nights, now ready for this, at 6.30 p.m. to, uh, to come and, and, and just help people who come pray. Now, we put it at 6.30 so that by 7 o'clock, if you're in one of Rob's classes or one of the other classes that might be happening here, you're free to just go, okay? So those are our prayer times. I hope you'll consider joining us because, people, we need to pray. We need to pray. North Korea tested a hydrogen bomb. Los Angeles has 5,000 acres near Burbank on fire. Texas, Louisiana. We need to pray. And not just pray for God to move, but pray so we know what to do, right? Yeah. We need you to join us in prayer. Some of you have been asking... What are we? Uh, what are we going to do for Texas? The people of, what are we going to do for the people there? And I love it that you asked that question. And so we've formed a response, of course, and we have a short-term response, and we're working a little more on that. You'll hear soon, but we also are committed to a long-term response because what sometimes happens in a situation like that is country gets all worked up and busy, and our attention span can be a little short, right? And we're going to be needing to help those people down there for a long time to come, just like Katrina when you guys went down and long after and rebuilt demoed houses and rebuilt houses. We're going to have that opportunity to put teams together to go. So I want you to, of course, be praying about that. And uh, this morning for our offering time, I'm going to show you a video. And the man on the video is Phil Strout, and he's a vineyard pastor 
who is also the national director of the vineyard. He is truly a solid brother in the Lord. And I want you to listen to what he has to say. Father, we just pray now in Jesus' name for those who are in those stricken areas. We pray the power of the Lord to come and to bring life, bring hope, bring relief. That the church of Jesus Christ would be mobilized to be your hands and feet to people in need. Not just now, not just for the moment, not just to carry cases of water, but to go down with our hammers, Lord. So we just pray now that you'd bless them and you'd bless us with the knowledge of what to do next. Pray for this offering, Father. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and receive our offering as our expression of thanksgiving to you for all the blessings that we have here. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, folks. Phil Stroud here. Hey, I just want to give you a word. It's not something that you, you, you don't know about. I mean, we've all been agonizing over all the things going on in Houston, the, the, the hurricane, the flood, the tornadoes, the trauma, the absolute catastrophic flooding. Um, you know, and just as a reminder, you know, a few years back, we entered into a partnership with Convoy of Hope and their boots on the ground there. They've been there really actually before the tornado uh, I, and the uh, hurricane hit. Um, and then we're also, you know, just thrilled that so many of the vineyard churches uh, are just saying, what can we do? What can we do? What, you know, I, I love that. I love it about the vineyard that it's not just, we don't just watch the news. We always say, there's the news. What do we do? And uh, the, the brothers and sisters at the New Orleans Vineyard who, who were at ground zero with Hurricane Katrina, they again are, are rallying uh, uh, folks and, and putting into play a, a systemic way for for people maybe to send teams because this is going to be a this is a marathon when the newsreels stop shooting when the news cameras have gone uh houston is going to be still be there and it's going to be there for you know maybe a few years so you know with everything right now just 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 being that those first responders are doing what they do and we're going to have to be at this for the long haul and as you also know, you know, our, our offices in Houston and Sugarland, and uh, a lot of our staff greatly affected. Also, some of them evacuated. Um, so this is going to be it's going to be a little clunky for us uh, in, in, in doing all of this. But I, I just want to say I, I deeply appreciate Convoy of Hope is it's an organization that we have so much affinity to. They 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 live for uh, mercy. They, they basically minister, the purpose for their ministry is to be there at the worst moment of a community's uh, uh, reality. Um, I just, I admire that, and, and, and it's what they do. They also want to work with vineyard churches uh, in this context, in our, in our partnership. So, you know, those of you there, and uh, uh, as, as you see this, there's a lot on social media, people to contact, Convoy, and, and also uh, uh, Phil Johnson and the group in New Orleans. So um, for the, for the lo- longer-term stuff. So there's going to be a lot to do here, guys. And, and I, I would suggest you really, I mean, there's so many good organizations um, and, and everything is going to help. But I do it in a way that you really think about it and how you can, how, how it's going to give, uh, 
you know, the great, the greatest help. But, you know, I do, I do love it um, because almost immediately, actually before it all actually happened last Friday, Thursday and Friday, we already had vineyard churches saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, you know, we may not always have this figured out perfectly. We may not always get cross every T, dot every I, but I like it that it's so deeply embedded in the genetic of vineyard churches to say, if somebody's suffering, what do we do to help? Sign me up for that. So uh, we'll put up on the screen, uh, hopefully right now, uh, at numbers called Convoy of Hope, uh, ways to donate, uh, you know, special offerings maybe, things like that. Uh, also, the contact numbers for uh, uh, the New Orleans Vineyard and, and what they're, they're going to do more the long term, uh, sending in repair teams and constructing teams and things like that. I admire those guys, and we don't even know. I mean, while I'm making this video, we, the storm hasn't even reached Louisiana, or it's just now starting to reach Louisiana, so we don't know the effect that it's actually going to have even, even um, in New Orleans. So uh, we're, just, we're, we're, we're responding to as we have the information. But I wanted to give something, uh, just to get a video out to all of our pastors, just saying, you know, we're all in this together, and I, it's amazing how everybody helps. So, um, boy deeply appreciate you guys. We're going to stay on top of this. Of course, we've got Bubba Justice, Christian, uh, who, who works uh, as an executive assistant to, to me, and, um, you know, Dan Will to communication. Every, everybody's on top of this. We just got off of Zoom, and um, uh, all the folks in the office, good. They, they've settled in. They were taken in by some other houses, other people, uh, but pray for them because they're in for a long haul. And to be honest with you, pray for the trauma. I mean, yeah, the, yeah, it's probably going to stop raining in the next couple of days, and the water's going to recede, but, boy, they have lived four or five days of constant tornado watch, hunkered down in the bathroom uh, their, of their houses and things like that, and that's multiplied out thousands of times. So I love being a part of the vineyard. I'm glad you're a part of it, and uh, we'll see you on the trail. Hey, so I'd like to lead off teaching with a question. What is it that you actually need to get inside the shoe to watch the Buckeyes play? What, 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 what do you need? A ticket will gain you access. What is it that you need to, uh, to check your, uh, your amazing account balances with your online ba- bank? What? Password. Password. Password will gain you access. You're pretty good. You're fast at those things. Let me ask you this question. What is it that you need to gain access to the presence of God? Why don't we ask Him? Father, what is it that we need? Lord, we come in the name of Your Son, Jesus. We come by the power of the cross. We come with a full surrender of our faith, saying, we need You, Lord. We need You now as much as we've ever needed you. And so we invite you in the present power of your Holy Spirit to come and to teach us this, Lord. How do we we get in? How do we get into your presence, into your place that you seem through the Scriptures to be inviting us into, Lord? How do we get there? And so we pray for the present ministry of your Holy Spirit to come. In the name of Jesus, amen. So this morning I want to bring you a little shorter teaching on uh, uh, the Lord's Supper, on the communion, this thing that we do once a month 
that, that we do pretty faithfully once a month. We put out these elements, we call them, and I want to I talk with you a little bit about that this morning. Uh, next week, I'm going to start a series. I'll bring the first message in a series uh, that Rob and I will bring together over time. And the series is called Armed and Dangerous. And it's going to be a study, a character study in the life of Peter. You know, if you've been reading your Bible at all, you see that Peter, like he starts out like nowhere, and he ends up as a proclaimer of the gospel so that 3,000 people are saved in a day. And he, he ends up as one who can speak to a paralytic and say, Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. And he gets up and walks. That's a pretty incredible transformation. We're going to look at the stops in Peter's life that really explain that transformation and give you opportunity to identify with those levels of change and equipping because I believe, Rob believes, together we believe that God wants to make you armed and dangerous as an agent of the kingdom of God in the world. So we'll start that next week. Today I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. We're going to be talking about this Lord's Supper thing, this communion thing. If you don't have a Bible with you, I will read carefully. Alright? Luke chapter 22. This is the passage about when just before Jesus gave His life for us on the cross, He had a very special and important dinner with his disciples. It was a celebration of the Passover dinner, which the Jewish people did and do annually. And Jesus took that opportunity to say something that has continued to this very day. We're going to start in verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. Hold on to that thought that they reclined at the table. That's important. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired, I love that, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. I have eagerly desired. Like I really have wanted to do this. I, I just love the Lord's heart here. I, it's like I've been looking for this night for a really long time. I've eagerly desired to eat this with you. I really desired, eagerly desired to have this, to give you something here. And he said, before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God, that something's going to happen after he eats this meal that's going to change everything. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks. And he said, take this, and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The next verse is critical. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. He, he, 
talking about Judas, isn't he? And he said, I just want you to know, I know who's here. And I've eagerly desired to eat this supper with all of you. So that's the basis of this thing that we do that we call the Lord's Supper. Some churches call it communion. Some the Eucharist. And um, so I think the question that we want to ask are, what are some of the things that pop into your mind when you, you think about communion? Memory, remembering. Body and blood of Jesus, Becky. Exchange. Cool. What are some of the things that just jump into your mind when you think about these tables? Love. Connecting. Privilege. Grace. These are great answers. Great answer. Does anybody think about this at all? This is Da Vinci's famous painting of of the Last Supper. You've seen this. It's a really important painting. It apparently wasn't that important to da Vinci because he painted it on the wall of a dining hall in a convent. And uh, he was actually experimenting with different paints when he did this, so it didn't last very long. It's been repainted in order just to preserve it. But this is, this is something that a lot of people think about when they think about the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. It's okay, because this image is really old to us. It was painted in 1475, and so it's an old image. It's an old painting. And so we look at it, and we, we're inclined to make the mistake that that's anything like what the Last Supper looked like. We're inclined to make that mistake, aren't we? And it's because it was painted in 1475 and now it's 2017. And so, but what we may not know, understand, is that when da Vinci painted this, he never meant for it to be a a rendering of the biblical story, but actually as a contemporary presentation of the Last Supper, and if you look at it, you can see that it's filled with anachronisms if you can think about when Jesus actually had the Lord's Supper. I mean, for one thing, there's a table. There's a table that's like you would use to sit at a chair. And if you look, you can see the, the sawhorses from Home Depot <laughs> holding up the plywood, Right? Well, this would not have been true in Jesus' day, and that's why I said be sure to notice that it said they reclined at table because the table was very low, and they would have been leaning back on one elbow around this table. So there's that. That's a problem. I think another problem is that they're all on one side of the table looking out, right? This is a TV shot, right? This is for <laughs> so that's really not how it could have been. I think one of the other big problems is that all the characters, including Jesus, are European, right? (laughs) I got newsflash for you, beloved. Jesus wasn't European. So, I know, what? I'm out of here, right? So, with that in mind, 
that's really not a rendition of the biblical thing that we just read, but Da Vinci never meant it to be. But it's okay that we think about this when it comes up. Just want you to realize that just because that was painted in 1475, it's not old enough to be accurate. Right? There's something else happening in this whole thing. So our question is really, what, what is communion? What is it with this bread and this cup? What is communion? Communion, communion is our opportunity to be obedient to the command of Christ, to come to Him to these tables in obedience, and to experience internally the presence of the Lord. That's what it is. It's our opportunity to say, okay, Jesus said to do it, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go in faith. And I'm going to go, and I'm going to go in anticipation of internally sensing the presence of the Lord. That's what communion is. You know, you might ask the question, what should we call it? The Eucharist, communion, or the Lord's Supper? You hear all these things. Eucharist is a Greek word which means to give thanks. This is predominantly used by Roman Catholics, the Eucharist, so it's a, it's a thanksgiving meal. You know, I remember that some time ago, one of our guys, back in the day, we, when we were a small church, uh, we, would, we would serve communion off of card tables, and so he said, well, we should call it the Eucharist. I know. Some churches call it communion or holy communion, and that's actually, I find it interesting that Protestant churches embrace that term because it's actually a section of the Mass where this holy communion with the bread and the wine actually occurs. But I don't think that's what Protestant churches mean. I think when they say communion, they mean a communion with us and God, right? I like to call it the Lord's Supper because it's, it's, it's fulfilling what Jesus did when he had the Last Supper. But call it what you will, it's fine, really. But your next question, I know you've been grappling with all week, is is it transubstantiation or is it consubstantiation, right? I know you guys were just talking about that on the way in, right? Transubstantiation is a doctrine taught predominantly by the Roman Catholic Church. Trans meaning a cross and substance. So that what it endeavors to do is answer the question, where is the real presence of Jesus in communion? If we're internalizing Jesus in communion, where is his real presence? And the Roman Catholic Church in transubstantiation will teach that the presence of Jesus comes across the substance and actually occupies the elements so that the bread and the wine become the body and the blood of Jesus. That's called transubstantiation. Well, in the 14th century, John Wycliffe came along and part of his rebellion against the abuses of the church was dealing with this whole thing about what happens with communion. And he came up with the concept of consubstantiation. Con meaning with. And so what he said was, no, the, 
nothing really happens to the elements. They don't change into the body of Christ. What happens is that the presence of the Lord comes and actually is with that, is with the elements, so that um, they do become something different. They're sort of coated, if you will, coated in the presence of God. That's consubstantiation. Well, I join with the majority of the Protestant church in teaching something else. It's called non-substantiation. That when it comes to the elements, nothing happens to them. Nothing happens to them. We get the oyster crackers and the juice at Kroger. We do that on purpose. And nothing happens to them because the miracle of the Lord's Supper is not the transformation of the elements, it's the transformation of the believer. It's the transformation. What changes is not the bread and the cup. What changes is the believer when they come in faith before these tables in obedience. So that when you come to the table, you're coming in obedience to the Lord. And what's happening is as you obey the Lord in faith, He occupies you. He occupies you by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what you want. The transformation in communion is not about it. It's about you. It's about you. I think when we think about this, we have to realize that the words of Jesus were symbolic when He said, this is My body, this is My blood. When He said in John chapter 6, somewhere in the 50s, 53, I think, unless you eat My flesh and drink My blood, you have no part with Me. That's symbolic, yes. He was not promoting cannibalism. Jesus, from time to time, spoke symbolically, right? Jesus once said, if your right hand causes you to sin, what? Cut it off. off. He said, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. out." Was He speaking literally or symbolically? symbolically? Symbolically. I mean, how many of you here have ever sinned with your right hand? You see, if you interpreted the Bible literally, you couldn't even do that. (laughs) Jesus spoke figuratively, and when he said, this is my body, this is my blood, come to the table and I'll be in you, doesn't have anything to do with the bread and the cup in that sense. But in our obedience... We experience something and we experience an invitation. It's an invitation is what the Lord's Supper is. It's an invitation to encounter the Lord. Because communion is the experiential presence of the Lord. It's a a signal from God saying, access granted. Come on in. In Hebrews chapter 10... Check this out. You just got to see this. 
you're looking at me like skeptics. Some of you working hard against some really serious religion teaching. I get that. Listen. It's called Sola Scriptura. The Bible alone. There ain't no transubstantiation in here. It's not here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers, brothers, I mean all of us, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, stop. We have confidence to enter the most holy place. The holy of holies in the Old Testament, accessed only by the high priest, the only ones who could get in there, ever go in there. Now he says, brothers, since we have access to the most holy place, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. This is our invitation to come into the presence of God. This is your ticket into the presence of God. You see, the problem with transubstantiation or consubstantiation is is not so much about what a person believes about the elements. The problem is, in both cases... It requires a special person to come and pray a special prayer in order to make that change for you. And what you're doing when you buy into that system is you're putting someone between you and Jesus. You're putting someone between you and Jesus. I have prayed nothing over these tables. They're still oyster crackers and juice. They were on the shelf at Kroger. You probably passed them. Does that mean they're not important? Of course not. It's still an invitation. But the response is yours. The faith required is your faith, not the faith of someone who has been specially authorized by the church to do something for you. And if you are a person who, for whatever reason, says, you know, it's really not communion until the person in the special clothes or with the special office comes and prays a prayer over it, then when you allow somebody to stand in that position, you are not experiencing communion. What? Some people come into a pretty casual environment like this and go, well, I don't know if that was really communion or not. Because it wasn't like formal enough, fancy enough. I want to say to you that if you ever, ever allow somebody to stand between you and that table, you haven't experienced communion. Because Jesus said directly to those at the table, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. That's what the table is. Is Jesus eating with you. The transformation is in you. There are no special people in the church. Pastors are not special. We're not special. We have no more access to the presence of God than anyone else. We have no more power than anyone else. We're not special. We can't do that for you. I wouldn't if I could. 
pastors are not special. We're specialized. We're specialists. We are brothers and sisters in the body of Christ who have a specialized calling. I get that. But we're not special. We're just like you. There's nobody on the planet that can do something for you at the table that Jesus hasn't already done. Communion is a celebration. It's a celebration that Jesus made the way. And communion is an invitation. And it's a direct invitation to you. It's a direct invitation to you right where you are. Some people say, I don't think I'm worthy to eat at the table. Did you read the Bible? You see who was at the table with Jesus? His disciples, they were a hot mess. You had the guy, that's why I said, notice that Jesus said, the one who is going to betray me is going to be part of this meal. You had the guy who was going to sell Jesus out for $30, and you had the one who was presumably meant to be the rock of the church who was under pressure going to deny even knowing Jesus three times. And the rest. It's a direct invitation to you. And it's a direct invitation to come as you are. This is, this is so important. Communion is Jesus bringing himself down to this core level where you can come as you are to experience him as he is. That's amazing. That's why I insist that we don't get any special stuff for this. That we don't send off to some church website and get the special little round wafers. I mean, that would absolutely violate what Jesus was doing. I insist that we use oyster crackers and juice from Kroger because Jesus is as much at the Kroger for you as He is here. I also insist that we have these four tables on the floor, two in the front and two in the back, so that Jesus is as close to you as He can possibly be. I want the tables here with you. I never want the tables here behind me. Maybe some of you have seen that, that the person goes up and does this or does that with the stuff and then brings it to you. I'm not making fun of that. I'm just telling you how dangerous it is. The poor recipients of that are excluded from the table. That's why the tables are there with you. He says, come as you are. The thing you want to do before you go to the tables is simply confess your sins. And that's not fixing yourself up to present yourself to God. That's pointing out the mud on your shoes. That's what confession is. It's pointing out that you need to be at these tables. 
Lord in heaven, we invite you in the present power of your Holy Spirit to come and meet us in this simple act of obedience. In the name of Jesus, amen. We're going to worship the Lord, and as we do, I want you to try to be as orderly as you can and come to the tables near you. Here's how I'd like you to do this this week. Just take the bread, an oyster cracker, take the juice, and go back to your seat, and just, just have a moment with the Lord. Just say, is that guy right? Could I actually encounter you? I invite you in, Lord. And then when you're ready, don't wait for me to come back. All I do when I say wait for me is so we can have an organized moment, right? I can't, like, do anything other than organize you. Well, this morning, I'm not coming back. It's you and the Lord. So when you're ready, just take it. Here we are, Lord, and and we came as we were and now by your power and your strength praise you Lord we're not as we were something has happened the covenant of forgiveness and redemption has been renewed Holy Spirit you've been welcomed in and so we thank you Lord that you always call us as we are but you never send us home the same. And so we pray praise and thanksgiving to you, Lord, for this meal, this spiritual table that you set before us. I pray your blessing on this fellowship, Lord. I pray your blessing on every man and woman, boy and girl, who have found their way into our community. And I just pray, Lord, power of the Holy Spirit on them. I pray that you would rebuke Satan for them. I pray, God, that you would give them the strength and the power to live joyfully and victoriously for you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.